0: Excuse me, but are you loving this podcast? If you are, you can support the show through the 8 supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. All you have to do is hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Hold up. This is a Lip Media Podcast.
0: Excuse me, I have something to say. Hello, and welcome to Excuse Me. The podcast where we have real and open conversations about life and everything it throws at us. I'm your host, Sean Philip Naylor. And if you're tuning in for the first time, don't forget to click on that subscribe button so you never have to miss out on an episode. You can also join in on the conversation by surfing your way over to the show's official website. Excuse me, I have something to say.com. Or you can follow along through with the show's official Facebook, Instagram or Twitter account where you can slide right on into my DMs. Let me know your thoughts and feelings of the show or if there's any future topics that you wish for me to tackle. And as always, you can find those social links embedded into the show notes for you. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the latest installment of your favorite podcast. This one. If you are a returning listener, well, welcome back. Hello, always a pleasure to have you here. And if you are tuning in for the first time, well, hello to you and welcome. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you're listening through Apple, remember that you can rate and review the show over there. Now, it has been one hell of a roller coaster emotionally for me since my last episode dropped. The podcast launched on Lip Media, which... Is so exciting. Listenership went up, which is absolutely amazing. And I'm so grateful and thankful for that. And my episode also dropped in on the Gazer Revolting podcast. And I've got to say, I was fanboying so hard because they created such a wonderful show. And it was uh, a surprise and a great honor and privilege to have my show drop in in an episode of theirs Also this week, I had a bit of an injury. I was out of action and couldn't go to work with uh, a bit of a leg and a shoulder injury. A double whammy. My partner, Benny, who you guys will remember from the last episode, he celebrated a birthday, which was beautiful. My stepson, he also turned 18, which is just also wonderful, but incredibly scary. And in some very sad news we lost my gorgeous, beautiful grandmother to cancer this week. So needless to say, it was a lot to handle in the space of about a week. And as such, i got to say, my mental health suffered and I, I think I realized I was self-medicating with alcohol to kind of take the edge off. Now, with that in mind, this week's episode actually tackles the topic of addiction And as such, I'm issuing a trigger warning right here, right now. If the topics of addiction, substance abuse, depression, anxiety, and mental health issues are triggering for you, then feel free to sit this one out. Or if you do want to listen, perhaps maybe listen with a friend or a family member there for some support. So on with the show. This week's guest is... A good friend of mine, and she's being incredibly brave. Her name is Shay Chester, and she actually reached out to me with a request to be a guest on the podcast as she wants to share with all of you her own journey with addiction in the hopes that it might help others out there who are fighting their own battle. So I believe this is a very brave and bold move that Shay is doing by being so personal and so open with her own story and her own addictions. So without further ado, on the show.
2: Hi Shay, how are you? Uh, Good thanks Sean.
0: Thank you for coming on the podcast and thank you for being willing to share your own story with the listeners. I think it's such a brave thing for you to do. Thank you. So before you do share your story, I thought we could take a look at a couple of statistics from the National Drug Strategy Survey from last year. What do you reckon? I think it's a good start. (laughs) So in 2019, around 3.4 million Australians reported using an illicit drug within the last 12 months. The most common was cannabis, followed by ecstasy, then the misuse of pharmaceuticals, and then cocaine. The overall use of methamphetamines, however, has decreased, But the use of crystal meth, otherwise known as ice, continues to be a concern. People that are using it are using it more frequently, increasing the risks and harm associated with it. And although people aged 20 to 29 are still the most likely to use illicit substances, the survey found there is a greater percentage of older people who are misusing over-the-counter and illicit drugs than in previous years. Interesting statistic. Very interesting indeed. So you're going to share with us a little bit about your own journey. Yep. When did you first experiment with drugs?
2: Well, in 1997, my father passed away. So prior to that, I was a good girl. Um, Had good grades, went to a private school, things were looking up. And then, as I said, my father passed away and I was then put into a state high school. And that is where I started to double in marijuana. That was my... Gateway. My gateway, if you want to call it that. And obviously started smoking cigarettes and then I slowly got into the nightclub scene and started dabbling in party drugs like ecstasy, speed. That was yeah, pretty much pretty much my life when I was 17, 18
0: years old. So how into that were you? Like was it consuming for you or was it just like the sort of I guess the start of addiction? It was, it was a, the start of addiction, but I, I nipped
2: it in the bud fairly early on because I, I found a career and, and it was expensive, I suppose. It was only a weekend thing for me. I would need to have some sort of stimulant to go party of a weekend. That's how I saw it. I never saw it as a daily, a need to, to use it daily. It's just a bit of
0: extra fun um, Just extra weekends. fun. There
2: was no real harm in, in, you know, I never
0: intended to use it daily at all. And um, when you were out at the, doing all the, the party stuff and it was your extracurricular activity, what was your go-to drug when you were out? When I was out
2: nightclubbing? Yeah,
0: because when I lived in England, it was coke. Everyone was always straight to the coke.
2: Uh, no, coke was the rich man's drug. When I was 18, 18 years old, I would normally go for, say, pills, so ecstasy um, or speed, which was, yeah, that was the in-drug then. I didn't need much of it, just a little bit to get you through the night and
0: yeah. So what was, when you were doing the ecstasy and the speed, what was the, I guess, the high like? Because that's why we take it, right? That's why you take the drugs is to get the high.
2: Yes, I think my my issue probably began. I, I sort of I phased out of taking the weekend drugs. Got into my career, uh, running a, a high profile fast food restaurant. Uh, so for a good decade, there was a break there where I just focused on work. I was a good girl again. You know, I drank here and there. I was. I've never been a big drinker. And then I moved up north, and I had had moved up there for my my job at, at the fast food restaurant and I went through a, a hard breakup so I resigned from my job found a different job it was in retail this time which then led to me wanting to earn more money and then I got the opportunity to uh, work in the, the local nightclub strip club uh, and that's where it all just snowballed down from that point on It wasn't more so when I first started dabbling in drugs when I was younger. It was the the break and then hitting the hard stuff from the age of 29 onwards.
0: And so you got into that hard stuff, I guess, was it an escape because of the breakup? I I didn't recognise it as that. I just... I'm not
2: naive. I am willing to do anything. Well, I was. I was willing to do anything. I, I wasn't nailed down in a relationship I was a free spirit um, I wanted to enjoy life um, I was you know heading into the nightclub every weekend and then I ended up dating one of the strippers at the
0: nightclub That's and yes yes
2: <laughs> and that in itself working in the nightclub working well I worked in the strip club section I was a nightclub controller for a year or so and That is where my eyes opened to the reality of strippers and and what they do and how they they get about their job. And so I dabbled into, um, I tried methamphetamine, so ice. I wasn't aware of how how extreme or how bad the drug was. I just thought it was another
0: speed. So how long ago was this? Because ice, I remember 10 years ago, maybe 11 years ago now, when I first moved to the Gold Coast, Ice was everywhere, but it was not anywhere in England. Like, it wasn't a drug of choice. And I, then I just remember coming here and going, what is this? And why is everybody, like, taking it?
2: That's about the time I'd say I was – I'm 38, almost 39 now. A lady never so, reveals her age. I'm sorry, 29. <laughs> um, I – yeah, so it was about 10 years ago, 8, 9, 10 years ago yeah. that this happened. I was in a stage in my life where I think I was angry – I thought I had the forever partner. I thought that I had a great, a great life. I'd, I was financially stable and whatnot. And it was all turned upside down by this breakup. So I think, in hindsight, yeah, I was covering up hurt and anger and, you know, those sorts of things. I mean, a lot of people say that you can't make excuses for drug addicts, but, you know, they're people too. And, and people turn to, to a vice to
0: cope whether it be alcohol drugs that's mine yeah that's exactly right like all the time have a bad day at work come home and you're just like i'm just gonna have a glass of wine to take the edge off yeah and then it turns into a bottle like it can it can happen and it can happen so quickly whether it is alcohol or something stronger especially if you're using it as an escape
2: and it got to the point where i was using it every weekend to get through my, my shifts at the nightclub. And then I, I broke up with my, my then girlfriend from the strip club. And moved back to the Gold Coast. Thinking I had a fresh slate. Yeah. And then I caught back up with a friend that I went to high school with. Who was a user of, of ice. And I obviously... Old habits die hard. I got back into it. Again only on weekends. I think jumping to and from relationships wasn't very healthy. However, I got into a very, very abusive relationship with a woman in 2000 and... Well, let's think now, 2015, 14, I got into a relationship with a woman that was very emotionally abusive and whatnot. And, I mean, I'm not going to go too far into that. However, I've I, I used my connections with people I knew and met new people that knew people that used and it just became my life and I'd lost my job because of my partner that I had at the time because my mum was not was not able to see why I was putting myself through what I was putting myself through being with the girl and the toxic relationship that it was and and her children and and everything around it it was just so horrific i I think of it now and i think why did i do that why did i stick around i mean there's many many reasons why but that's not what we're here to talk about no so you know i i did i did use it as as a as a a coping mechanism 100 percent. Yep, and that's when it became daily right because I didn't wanna wake up and, and come to the reality of realizing
0: how horrible my life was. And sometimes it's easier to, oh, I guess it's like avoidance, it's easier to take the edge off than deal with actually having to deal with, you know, the grown up problems that we have, which, you know, if you're in a toxic relationship or you're in a situation that you don't like, it's so much easier to have a drink or, you know, have a smoke rather than leave. That's and- right. And, and many people
2: said to me, "Just leave." It's never that it's easy. It's never though. that easy, and I think using meth as and everyone knows now how dangerous it is, and yeah. I would never touch it again. But the drug itself, you know, it how I find to this day, I'll stick to my my guns with saying it helped me cope. It really did. It destroyed me mentally, physically, emotionally. However, I think I would have been much worse off had I stuck
0: around in that relationship and not turned to drugs. So what were the effects on your health and your mental health when taking the drugs and then when recovering?
2: Okay, well, when taking the drugs, it 100% affected my mental health. It gives you this this feeling of, I can do anything, nothing can hurt me, no one can hurt me, but when, you, when I did come off the drug, when I did stop using, I, I was at, at this, at the final point of, of taking the drug, I, I had been admitted to a uh, psych ward on the Gold Coast, because I had an episode, I was trying to stop using. And and I hadn't an, also had an addiction to prescription medicine as well.
1: This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I wanna tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which Um, so I had my meth
2: addiction plus my prescription medicine addiction to painkillers. So I, I tried to stop both of those on my own. And I was living with my parents at the time. I cut it both off. And my mum had no idea why, what was wrong with me, why I was acting. And I didn't want her to know that I had been using. I was disappointed in myself and I certainly didn't want to disappoint my mum. She means the world to me. So no, she's a good woman. She is a good woman. So, yeah, I I... Absolutely lost my mind, and Mum called an ambulance, and I was sent away to um, the Gold Coast Psych Ward.
0: In... Is it one of those like seventy-two hour holds and things that they? Put I was on in? mental
2: health. I was on a what they call it a mental health. I don't know. They called it something. It was it was a mental health hold. Yeah. Uh, where I couldn't leave. I was held there for my own safety. Yeah. Because what I did try and do was, was I tried to end my own life. That's the reason why I. That, that was the end for me. I, I couldn't come out the other side. It, it felt like the only thing I could do was sleep. I had no one to turn to because no one understands anyone that takes methamphetamine and wants to come off the drug because the people that I was using with, they didn't care. They didn't care that I wanted to come off the drug. They just wanted to worry about their life and what we used to do when we were
0: high. I guess it's a double-edged sword because you've got that and then you've got friends and family who if they knew what was going on of course they would want to help you but they no. have never used so yeah. they don't understand what you're going through
2: no one understands and that's the worst part you try
0: and explain it
2: but you don't want to talk about it no one wants to talk about their addiction to methamphetamine no one wants to talk about why you use and what you you know it's been a long time since I've used so I'm happy to talk about it now but ask me a, a, four years ago I would have said no I don't yeah. want to talk about it what were the effects on your family and your friends? My friends consisted of drug addicts. I had a couple of people in my life, such as yourself and Ben, who were not really aware of what was going on because I, I, I held that from everyone that I loved. The people that I hung out with and got high with, they were all the people that I had that related to why I wanted to use because I, they, were, they were in the same predicament for some different reason so yeah it, it had an effect I, I sort of i didn't wipe my hands of my of my genuine friends. I gained some really great relationships from people that were drug drug users. Don't get me wrong, yeah, one of my best friends is is an ex drug addict. Uh, we went through it all together. We'd both come out the other the, the other side much better people but i I had to cut out my my straight friends because. I didn't want them to see what it was doing to me. I didn't want them to know what was going on.
0: Because there was a level of shame? Yes. Shame that you were using or shame that you had gone so far down the rabbit hole?
2: Both. I think it was... um, I couldn't stop using because if I didn't use, I could feel again. And I didn't want to feel. I wanted to be... In a place where I felt untouchable and nothing could hurt me emotionally, physically. You know, I, I would always tell myself, I'd sit there and tell myself, oh, why would I want to get get clean when I can feel so motivated on the drug and I can get so many things done on the drug? In yeah. realis- realistically, I wasn't getting anything done, but I thought I was.
0: So what was the moment that made you step away from the drugs and want to be a sober person.
2: When I tried to swallow a box of pills and I went to the psych ward, I met some really amazing people. And I think the best thing for me was that moment, spending 10, I think it was 7 to 10 days in that in that ward with people that genuinely had no control over their mental health.
0: So you're talking I, about the patients, not the doctors? The patients,
2: doctors. not the doctors, just the patients. Yeah, They opened my eyes to the fact that I had a choice. They didn't have a choice. There was a woman in the psych ward. She was amazing, but she suffered anxiety. Now, you've got so many levels of anxiety. I would say she has the worst level of anxiety I've ever seen in my life. She would walk around the ward worrying on how to turn the the tap on on the the knob of the tap with how far to turn it she wow. would cry because she didn't know and she was worrying about whether she should shower yet or not or you know all these horrible things that she had no control over but I was there solely because of a selfish reason because I took drugs so it opened my eyes up to a lot to, to a lot of things and and it made me realize that life is so much better when you've got a clear head and I'm I've, I changed I changed myself I, I I stayed single for a long time I committed myself to not meet someone I wanted to meet the right person when it came along I wasn't sort of mingling with women I wasn't yeah. on dating apps or anything like that because I had to find I had to fix myself and and I didn't want to meet someone in the state I was in because that would just essentially turn out to be another toxic relationship
0: so what was the recovery process like for you because physically you go through a lot and then of course mentally you go through a lot
2: mm-hmm. it was hard it was easier once i would told the people i love yeah once i'd got that out it made it a lot easier to accept the fact that i had so much support and so much love it was uh, just there that you didn't realise? I didn't even know yet. I didn't want it. I mean who would want to tell their mum that they used to smoke a pipe
0: yeah.
2: every day to get through each day and I'm talking a habit that was worth a good six, $700 a week just for the product. So I, I was financially, physically, mentally destroyed. I didn't think that they would understand so of course I'm not going to tell them. Yeah. But once I had that, once they knew and, and I... Of course, my mum and my, my stepdad open their arms. They've, they've said, you know, this happens. Let's yeah. move
0: forward. Life is hard and people have different people ways of coping. Mistakes. They're not always, you know, the healthiest, but, you know, you're still here, which I'm grateful for. Yeah, me too. So do you ever feel the urge to use again? Is that something that stays with you? It. You're always an addict. I got taught, I was
2: taught that, by by the doctors at the hospital that you you're always going to be an addict is just managing it yeah but in hindsight i i can comfortably say while i sit here today i don't even think about it
1: That's i good. used
2: to think about it and it's taken a long time for me to go a day without thinking about it whether it be a, a negative or a positive thought of it there was always something, even smells, certain smells would trigger it. Certain places on the Gold Coast I'd go to would trigger memories.
0: So did you have to stop going to these places? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I can go to them now quite fine.
0: Yeah. So how has your life changed since your recovery? Because you mean, you know, you seem to be living your best life. I'm living my best life one
2: hundred percent now. I've um I'm now a managing managing director of, of my mum's company. I have a beautiful wife you do i have met my soulmate. she is amazing she's perfect in every
0: single way you're just saying this because <laughs> you know she's gonna listen right
2: most most likely <laughs> no no i mean it she's <clears throat> she's perfection she balances me there's there's no tension no arguments she it's it's she's my best friend my lover my soulmate, all rolled into one and i never thought that i would find someone like that and i did so there's no reason for me to even want to think about using ever again.
0: And what advice would you give anyone out there who might stumble across this little podcast that uh, might be misusing or self-medicating with substances from anything from alcohol to ice?
2: Well, alcohol is is definitely the hardest, I, I believe would be the hardest because it's legal and easy to get. I, I've never, ever been prone to drinking a lot because my father was an alcoholic and he died from from this disease. So I, I swore to myself I would never touch it. So I don't. However, if there's anyone out there that that is using ice or prescription drugs, I think you need to really find it in yourself to want to get out of that hole. Nobody can make you want to stop using drugs. Only yourself. You only you can stop it. So you've got to really want to stop using drugs to stop using drugs. So there's nothing I can say that will convince anyone out there, but just look at the people that love you, look at yourself, and realise that being high is not is is not superior to being high on life. I think that if you take away the financial burden, if you take away the psychological aspects of, of taking drugs, if you take away all of the all of the beautiful things that you're missing out on with your family and friends because you are addicted to this drug it'll make you realize that it's not worth it i mean i people say that you know go and see a doctor or go and see a psychiatrist or go and get help get help where's help what is help or, you know people say oh you should have got help well what is help you tell me because i don't even know why i'm taking this drug i just take it because it makes me feel nothing yeah so it's easier, easier said than done to tell people that they need to get help, but they've got to want to, want to get help. So people just need to know that it will, you will come out the other side a better person. You've just got to be ready for it.
0: Yeah. Now, what, um, what does the future hold for you on the other side of everything? You've, you've, of course, you've got a good job. You're sober. You've got a beautiful wife. What's next for Shay?
2: What's next for me? I'm currently studying at university again.
0: Um, I'm doing a
2: Bachelor of Business at Bond University. Uh, I'm loving every minute of it. I've always loved studying. I, I then also, my, my wife and I want to um, have a baby. Excitement. So, yeah, that's exciting. So we're in the process of looking into the ways and hows and, and how much and whatnot. So, you know, the future holds Fingers crossed, holds a little baby.
0: It's a big, bright future for you anyway. Yes,
2: very big. And, and, you know, it took a long time to get to this point. If I didn't have loving friends such as yourself um, and Ben, I I don't know what I'd do. But I am here. I am on the other side. It's been a long road. um, And I've got nothing but, but good things to say about my life now.
0: You have a wonderful life now. And thank you so much for sharing this conversation. I know when you first mentioned it to me as something that you might want to do I was a bit hesitant because it's such a personal experience and you're on the record but you were like well if I can help someone and then you know, that's the deal for me I wanted to get you on the podcast to to share a bit of your story because it is a brave move and it is a good story with a beautiful happy ending
2: yeah that's correct yeah it's 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 only up from here
0: It takes a lot for someone to admit that they may have a problem with drugs and alcohol, but it is the first step to overcoming it. Talking to a friend, teacher, family member, school counsellor, other counsellors, professionals can provide a helping hand and emotional support. It can be difficult to seek help, but in most cases, the sooner you reach out for the support, the better. For free and confidential advice about alcohol and other drugs, you can call the National Alcohol and Other Drug Hotline. It will automatically direct you to the Alcohol and Drug Information Service in your state or territory. These local alcohol and other drug telephone services offer support, information, counselling and referral to other services. The number is 1-800-250-015. If you have an emergency, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Or remember, you can always call triple zero. All of this information along with a few other helpful helplines have been embedded into the show notes for you. So all you have to do is look in the episode's description and click whichever service you think might be the one that's gonna benefit you the most. And please join me again one last time to thank Shay. For being so open, vulnerable, and brave in sharing your personal story with all of us. I'm so honored that you chose this platform to be the place for you to share your story and to open up and to help others. If you'd like to get in touch, you can send me a message through the show's official website at excuse me, I have something to say.com. Alternatively, send me a message on Instagram or Twitter at excuse me underscore pod. Thank you all so much. For tuning in once again. Look after yourselves, stay safe, and I'll see you next time.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods